0: We good? We're good. That's right. We're back. We are back. We're joined with our our buddy over there at WGME Chief Meteorologist Charlie the Presty. Great to have you back. And uh, I got to introduce the guy on my side, Monty McIndoe, who's also joining tonight because he always comes firing with weather questions.
1: Weather questions.
0: And uh, it's a little late to be having Charlie on for the podcast tonight being that it's, you know, I feel like in seasons past we've been more excited about the upcoming uh upcoming forecast but it's pretty clear right now that it's not it's not snowing this week so I'll uh I'll let you get right into it I'm, I'm feeling under the weather I've, I'm coming down with a cold so it's probably just gonna be you and Monty talking oh nice
2: well sounds good well I think Monty's excited about winter right
0: I love winter it's my favorite season
2: well it seems appropriate yeah and you're coming down with a cold so I mean we're all we're all getting excited about winter, but yeah, no. Thanks for having me again, guys. Um, you know, this is the time of year that you know, skiers and snowboarders all around New England get get pretty ramped up for the winter season. And and this this year, of course, we're kind of easing into it, which I think is probably a good thing. Um, one of the things we talked about uh, in years past is, you know, how many times has it snowed like in October or early November, and we got off to a really quick start, and then. of winter just died out after that so 2011 2012 was one i can remember but we had the big halloween snowstorm and then after that it, it was just kind of a lousy winter so i would my take on these things is just you know wait for the snow and hopefully it snows when it's supposed to snow and um and that will lead to a pretty good winter so have you guys had any flakes up in jackson yet i i swore when
1: it was last week when it was raining and in the 30s i swore i saw snow hitting the puddles but no mm-hmm. accumulation.
2: No accumulation. Yeah. And the mountains are covered, though. Well, they were at least last week, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we hiked, when, three weeks ago up to Tuckerman and we're walking in snow?
0: Right. First, The first official, it felt like official first snow. That was a while ago.
2: Yeah. Right. That was back in October then. Yeah. So here we are recording this in November 8th, I guess, right? November 9th. Today's the night. Um. Hey, this might be an appropriate time to talk about Mount Washington because this year, uh, we, uh, the National Weather Service, or NOAA, has updated the climate uh, normals for all the observation sites. So every 10 years, those get updated for normal snowfall, normal you know, temperature, average temperature, highs and lows, and that kind of thing. So like last year when we talked, we were working off of normals from the 30-year window of 1981 to 2010. Now right in front of me, I have the normals for... 1991 to 2020, and I'm looking at the ones specifically for Mount Washington. Now, take a guess. What, which which month do you think Mount Washington averages the most snowfall? March. i will say April. Hmm. Good guesses. I like it. December. December, hmm. 48 inches is their average snowfall for that window and their new normals. Number two... Who said March? Is it Andrew? Sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is Monty. All right. Monty wins then. Forty-six inches. So March comes in at number two. Number three is February. Mm. Um, and number four is January. I would have thought January would have been higher on the list. So is April? But...
1: <laughs> is April number twelve then? Is Andrew's guess the last one? Is it the warmest month, in fact, of the year? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know. You know hey. what's funny? November. November averages more snow uh at mount washington than april does yeah april's number six -hmm. i want the the new normals yeah i have them right here uh annual snowfall is 281.8 inches for the observatory that that, that's as you know it's quite a bit different you know as you get down to four thousand feet or so and you know down near hermit lake but um but I, I've, I love digging into these statistics, and it's, it's always interesting to see, to see. So December is number one, guys. And do, that's right around the corner.
1: Do so. they have the same information, though, Charlie, for Hermit Lake? Is that a, one of these test spots or data spots?
2: You know I uh, Frank and I have been in conversation about this in the last few years, and I do have access to uh, the snowfall records, and I just have to dig through them a little bit more. They seem to be uh, I, I don't have them labeled properly and uh, we just have to go through them because they go back they go back many years, but um, but they're not very labeled properly. I need to go through them. But yeah, there are records for for Hermit Lake and uh, Harvard Cabin too. Um, and also uh, the RMC uh cabin gray knob yeah so there's all sorts of great snowfall records and the new um snowfall um, recorder at hermit lake this year that's going to be fun to to monitor as well you guys might know more about that than i do
1: we saw it and or heard the guys talking about it when we were up there right yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah so we'll be able to track all the snow up at hermit lake and you know gray knob it's great to see the uh, snowfall from day to day, and you know, same thing at, at Hermit Lake as well. So, um, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, normal snowfall is 281 inches uh, at the observatory, um, and I, when I was up there, I remember it was right around 300 inches. Looks like it probably went down a little bit. And I remember the the, the one that everybody talks about is 1968, 1969, and that was uh, the mountain recorded 600 inches of snow that year. So. Getting a, getting a little off-topic here, but we're talking about the winter forecast. So um, we should probably start uh, thinking about the next few months here. And the reason I bring up December, guys, uh, not only is it the number one month for snowfall at the Mount Washington Observatory, it's probably going to be one of our biggest months for snowfall, I think anyway, uh, this year. The way I envision this winter happening is it gets off to a pretty quick start. At some point late November and into March, there's a lot of things pointing towards a front-loaded uh, winter where we're going to get into cold and snow in December, probably mellow out significantly as we go through uh, January. And then February, the big question is, does it come back again? There's a lot of analog years suggesting that you know that may actually take place. But I, I am having a hard time getting too excited about a blockbuster winter for snowfall in the Northeast. Uh, but with that said though, I mean, the, a lot of the analog years, the years I compare this year to um, to previous years have had some pretty big February storms. So something that we'll be watching. So just a quick uh, kind of bullet points. Uh, I think when you take the three month period, December, February, this through February, December, January, February, uh, you take the highs and the lows You average them out every day. We're probably going to end up a little bit warmer than normal. It's going to be hard for us to get a a really cold winter in this sort of weather pattern here. We're probably going to end up around normal in precipitation and snowfall. And in the White Mountains, snowfall ranges from about 75 inches up to about 250 inches of snow. And we're probably going to uh, see that happen this year. My guess, at least in the Portland area where I forecast in, we're probably going to end up about 10 inches either side of 68 inches. That's my guess. but And this is just a guess. This is basically a step above educated guess, these weather forecasts for a season here. But a front end uh, winter, a quick start to uh, November and December. And there are four things pointing towards that. A warm October, which I'd like to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. And uh, what we call a polar vortex disruption, which is fairly weak right now, but usually on a 30-day Uh, delay, we start to see colder air from the Arctic Circle kind of bleed into North America. And we'll probably see that within the next 30 days start to happen first in Canada and eventually into uh, hopefully the Northeast at some point in December. Um, And the five years that I compare this year to um, all point towards a a, a cold December and a snowy December. So what I'm doing is very it, basically, it, I'm running the statistics. I'm taking the weather pattern that's happening right now, I'm comparing it to five other years that occurred um, over the last forty years. And basically, you can run the statistics and see what has happened. Well, here's what's likely to happen this winter and you can look at percentages and that kind of thing. Um, I think we have an above average chance for getting an icing event, an ice storm this year. And that would probably be in the month of December or early January. And I'm basing that off of what happened in two thousand thirteen and also 2008. We had two significant icing events, and both of those years are, are in my analog year. Um, and is a wild card. If winter comes back, there are some big storms that are possible in February um, uh, based on some of these uh, warm Octobers, for instance. Um, you can look back at the top 10 warmest Octobers that we've had, and you can kind of uh, look ahead to what happened those winters. And it's pretty impressive what has happened. Warm October's, there is a correlation between snowy and cold December's, and in some cases, big February's as well. Hmm. What do you think of that?
1: It's good. I mean, it's if it's coming up, it, you know, it'd be nice to have a snowy December, especially in the yeah. valley where the you know if it if it if it snows early enough and stays cold enough, to you know, keep the, the resorts happy. For some part of it, but I mean it's it's different when the most of the people we talk about go in the higher elevations.
2: That that's that's the thing. I think a lot of folks, a lot of the resorts, they want to get snow on the ground by Christmas. I think that's the number one goal, right? Yeah. And for you know, everybody probably coming into the shop buying new gear and stuff, I mean they want to get on their gear in December. I mean that's that's a big part of it. And I get it. There remember two years ago, it was three years ago, 2018, I was looking back at the photos and and we I remember skiing The week before thanksgiving and it was it was good too um and then it it petered out after that a little bit but it it can happen um i want to talk about october for a minute guys um you know we we just got finished with a very warm october i'm talking on a day where the temperature got in the 60s and in new hampshire and in maine um but if you look at the top 10 warmest octobers on record um i'm talking about the data specifically for southern maine but it's very similar for uh for new hampshire in the white mountains um those top 10 uh we ended up with number four fourth warmest but i want to i want to rattle off some of these years and see if you remember some significant weather events that occurred the following winters so there is a correlation i think anyway between warm octobers and interesting things that happen in the winter all right 2017 is number one that was the warmest october on record do you guys remember what happened new year's morning of 2018 remember that january 1st 2018 anyone remember how cold it was no it was it was ridiculously cold it was 30 degrees below zero at my house and um it was we had a polar vortex disruption we had one of those um uh, those uh we had the, basically a, a little lobe off the polar vortex uh drift south from the north pole and um and we got uh, we got super cold in early uh, January 2018, number um, number three on the list is 2014, February of two, 2015. That was the coldest uh, February record um, for most of the Northeast, including Southern New England as well. And it snowed every other day that winter um, in 2015. So that was that was a ridiculously cold winter. Did you guys do a lot of skiing in 2015 February?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah no two thousand fifteen yeah fourteen fifteen that was my first winter back it's yeah it was,
2: it was very cold and very snow and it never melted in in two thousand fifteen either another big one um so two thousand seven shows up number five um two thousand eight I don't remember what in two thousand and eight let's see we had a bit it was a lot of snow that year two thousand twelve okay this is a good one two thousand and twelve shows up in multiple analog years I have this is number six warmest October in record we had the um the blizzard in february of 2013 february 8th and 9th we got 32 inches of snow i think the weather channel might have called it nemo or something uh do you guys remember that one that was that was one that got us back in the game but the the thing that i think is very interesting about that storm in that february is that february was two degrees warmer than normal yet we ended up with the biggest snowstorm on record uh here in southern maine uh and through many of the cities in the northeast so um, I don't know if this is the biggest snowstorm on record for many cities, but I know in, in Portland, it was the biggest snowstorm on record ever recorded. And that happened in a warm winter. So, when, But, but when somebody you know,
1: I saw at Tuckerman Brewery said the warm weather leads to big snowfalls. Who was that?
2: Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, Um <laughs> i thought you're talking to andrew no i'm sorry um
1: <laughs> I, I saw i saw somebody speak about speak about weather at Tuckerman brewery and they said with the way the wind blows and the certain things but warm weather brings a lot of big snowfall
2: who said that i don't you, know you said that yeah okay <laughs> All right, <that's> what, <laughs> um no I, that, the reason i bring that up guys is You know, a a lot of folks, if you're a snow lover, don't get discouraged if you hear a warm winter. I mean, you can still get some really big storms in warm winters. And that's what I think is going to happen this winter. I think we're going to get a relatively warm winter. It's not going to be a February 2015. Can can I just ask a
1: question for the the layman, Charlie? Does the warm winter come along with humidity, which drives the snow?
2: Well, anytime you get fog, that's going to eat away at the snow. And anytime... (laughs) We saw that in February. We saw that last last Christmas. It was probably the worst Christmas rain event we've had in, I don't know, ever probably. It's in human record. You know, a foot and a half of snow disappeared in six six hours in my backyard Yeah, uh, at storm. So, yeah, anytime you get, um, you know, the dew point that's you know, close to the air temperature and you're above freezing, you're you're doomed with wind. Uh, it's, uh, that fog just eats away at the snow and, and you're done. And, you know, this winter probably will end up like something like that as well. Uh, where we have multiple um, multiple big temperature swings throughout the winter. It's probably not a cold to stick. It's probably not a warm that's going to stick around. And we're probably going to see multiple, you know, mixed weather events. Um, I, I guess the good news is that the area we're forecasting for right now, in the White Mountains, obviously elevation-driven stuff, that uh, that can sometimes help there. But there's no, no way around freezing rain. We get into an icing event. I mean, there's... That's that can actually help sometimes, right? I mean, you get the snow that comes maybe in December. You get a freezing rain event that can kind of put a crust on things and it can preserve the snowfall for a little while. But I don't know. Uh, maybe some of the resorts like that better than than the Avalanche forecasters. Maybe <laughs> yeah, no, no one likes <laughs> cr- I'm trying to be optimistic crust layer bob.
0: Thing, <laughs> <laughs> that that stays around right. forever. Yeah. Well it sounds and, like and, it really does sound like this under Under promise, potentially slightly over deliver situation for going in this winter. The theme, I think, the theme of the past few winters we've been doing this, is a lot of uh, maybe the next storm, the next storm. You know, a storm's coming. What is it gonna? Is it gonna hit us? Is it gonna hit us? We've we've had these active cycles.
1: Well, last Mm -hmm. last winter though was it seemed like it snowed. If you drew an hour circle around where we are now, it seemed like it snowed everywhere but here.
2: Right. It was, yeah. I remember, remember the storm on December sixteenth and seventeenth. It that that band that set up dumped forty inches of snow south of you guys. Yeah. And how much did you end up with in Jackson? Five inches? Six inches? Not a lot. Yeah. It was it was a weird one. I I under four, we we went into a forecast two days out for four to eight inches of snow. Four to eight inches of snow, not forty-eight. Four to eight, and we had to up that, of course, but and. In southern Maine, I mean, there are parts of southern. We got 17 inches of snow out of that storm, yeah. um, and that put us in that, that put at least this, the cross country ski resorts in, in great shape going into um, the holiday week. But then the the um, the big storm and Christmas screwed everything up there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I agree with Andrew said. I think um, maybe this might be one of those winters where it's a little promised, where, you know, OK, might be a little warmer than normal. Uh, the key is to get a storm track that is favorable for big snow events. And and right now I think we will get an active storm track. And that is um, that will be dependent on what's happening in the Pacific Ocean. You guys probably have heard of El Nino and La Nina. Uh, We call that the ENSO phase. It's the El Nino Southern Oscillation. Basically, that means that the temperature of the ocean water is cooler than normal uh, in a weak La Nina year like this year um, in the Equatorial Pacific. And the other thing that's really important, I think, is to look at the water temperature between Hawaii and Alaska. And right now that's running... Uh, very warm, a lot warmer than normal. And that plays a big part in this winter forecast as well. We call that um, when when the water is very warm there and it's cooler, hugging maybe Alaska and British Columbia, you can get some interesting weather patterns in the jet stream right there. We call that a a negative Pacific Decadal Oscillation, a PDO. The only thing you need to know about that was when you have those two in combination, you get a ridge, a big uh, ridge in the jet stream that forms up in Alaska. And then in return, you get a trough in the polar jet that becomes stronger throughout North America and into um, into the Great Lakes, so Northern Plains, Great Lakes. So the most active and coldest and snowiest parts of the United States, my guess, this winter, are going to be the Rockies, Northern Plains, Western Great Lakes. So the storm track, based on what I'm seeing uh, on the water temperatures in the Pacific, would mean a storm track would probably be very active but too far to our west to be um, a major player uh, for a blockbuster winter in New England. Now you shift that storm track, you dig that trough a little, maybe 300 miles, 400 miles farther east, then you're in business. Maybe you get a a polar vortex disruption, a weakening of the polar vortex that dives south. That comes in in February. Maybe you get a, a big winter, like a big February, like 1969 or something. Um, or February of 2015. These are all on the table. I mean, these are these are years that show up in analog years, uh, years that are similar to this year. But um, but we would need a lot of things to come together at the right time for that to happen. Um, you guys want to know what the three, the five winters that look similar to this winter, um, based on the uh, Pacific Ocean water temperatures? They are uh, 2013, 2014 um they are 2012 2013 i like that winter because we had the big blizzard in 2013 in february unfortunately 2011 2012 shows up as an analog winter. um we should should just close our eyes on that one that was not a good winter for us this is actually pretty good 2008 2009 shows up as a similar one the coldest temperature ever recorded in the state of maine was recorded on january 16th i believe uh 2009 and it was 50 degrees below zero up in northern Maine. And there's a little, little observation site called Big Black River, USGS site. So 2009 had a really good cold shot in January that year. And 2000, 2001 was another big snow year. And that shows up. So those are the five winters that I, I based the analog years off of and and basically ran the numbers from. And the one thing that comes out out of all of those five winters, December was a big month big snow and also um in fact i can tell you right now i have the stats right in front of me december we had um december i think we had four, all right so four out of five of them were above normal in snowfall only one was below that was 2011 2012 uh we had four out of five that were colder than normal as well hmm which which I thought thought was interesting, and of those five winters, three of five had at least an inch of snow on the ground, at least in Portland on Christmas morning. So that's that's always a fun one that we always mess around with here in Southern Maine for for the winter forecast. Um, so I think th- that's another reason why I think December is going to be a big a, a big month for um, for skiers and snowboarders.
1: Nice. Yeah.
2: Um, Let's see. I didn't have any correlation of those for for like a January thaw or anything like that. But some of some of the bigger um, some of the years that I analyze came out with a February that had some pretty big storms as well. So I again I envision a front end December we get into it mellows out in January possibly comes back in in February, um, but overall uh, averaging out warmer than normal uh, around normal as far as snowfall and precipitation goes, uh, for the winter the three month period. Um, this is interesting as well. I, I sometimes I try to find some of the ski resorts that have snowfall data and, um, uh, Sugarloaf actually has a pretty good, pretty good data set. Um, I'd love to get some for Wildcat. I'm not sure if they have any, if you know anyone at Wildcat that has snowfall data, I'd love to see it. But, um, I wouldn't trust their, their measuring sticks. Yeah. They're measuring sticks. (laughs) Well, I have to, probably have to be careful because I know um, I know I know our friend Jamie Walter was was the snow re- was the uh, snow reporter at Sugarloaf for a while for some of these winters, but um, but those years that I analyzed, I looked at them for um, for Sugarloaf, and if you just they average 172.8 inches of snowfall annually um, at Sugarloaf, and the a weak La Nina winter uh, like this year is going to be um, basically took years that were what we call a negative 0.4 to negative 0.9 degrees Celsius, a little bit colder than normal there for the La Nina. Um, That's what a weak La Nina is. Uh, Those winters showed up to be 100 and average out all those weak La Ninas, 192 inches of snow uh, at Sugarloaf. And again, they average 172 inches and they ended up at 192 inches. So a little bit above normal there, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting as well. So we talked about some of the the analog years, so the years that are similar. And we basically ran the statistics and we say, okay, this year is going to be above or below normal and that kind of thing. But another important piece of the puzzle is probably uh, looking at forecast modeling as much as as much as you don't want to use modeling because it's just a computer. It's a it's it's a very good tool um, and can have a pretty good idea of how a pattern is going to shape up over the three month period so the one thing i thought thought that was very interesting in computer modeling um and and looking at four actually five computer models uh for the october runs of the european uh the u.s model this uh, cfs v2 uh that's the u.s model um i looked at the canadian model i looked at the uk met model and the japanese model and every single one of them showed some sort of um, Active pattern in December, so they all were very, very. Um, they all kind of hit December as an active pattern, and it looked cold as well with a trough in the eastern part of the U.S. Backing off in uh, in January, and again in February as well. Uh, a few models actually brought back some some winter in February, but um, but a lot of them were missing winter in February, keeping us kind of warm and keeping the storm track west of us. But uh, but the forecast modeling is in very good agreement, at least in October, um, as far as, you know, how that three month period is going to shape up around here. So that's all. All those things are what go into my winter forecast. And and basically, we're we're basically looking at a, a step above educated guess in this sort of setup, because it's, you know, one storm and it can put you back in the game pretty quickly, as you guys know.
1: Yeah. So, Charlie, let me ask you, that. that's all long-term and very high level. But yeah. if you were, if you didn't have the tools that you have as a professional, what would you look at if you wanted to say, am I going to go skiing this weekend?
2: Like this upcoming weekend or? Well,
1: I mean, just, just in, in, a, in a theoretical. Say it's the second week in December. And you said, oh, yep. you know, we're we going to go skiing this weekend.
2: Hmm. Well, um, first thing I do is tune into CBS 13, Fox 23 on Portland, Maine. And you get an accurate forecast. <laughs> or um, call up
0: Ski no, the White Snow there, Beta Hotline. Yeah,
2: yeah. You can you look at our website too. But I think uh, you know that's a good question. There's there's a lot of things that amateur forecasters can do. Um, and let's face it, skiers and snowboarders they're they're relentless. They want to know. You know how much snow is coming, regardless. I mean, you can go online. I can go online right now and find some somebody posting the thirty-day European snowfall outlook, and it probably says like forty inches of snow for Mount Washington. I I, I guarantee there's something like that out there, um, which is great in the sense that I think that uh, you know everybody has access to computer modeling and 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 all this really great weather data that was not available when you know, even just 10, 15 years ago, uh, certainly when I was a kid, I would have nerded out on this stuff in in a heartbeat. Um, But I mean, most amateur forecasters, most skiers and snowboards can get online and, 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 and kind of learn to use computer modeling as a useful tool. One thing that people really should, should understand there's um, those snowfall forecasts that computer models put out are a 10-to-1 ratio, and it's just a guess that the models say, okay, here's a 10-to-1 ratio, meaning for every one inch of liquid, uh, that will fluff up to 10 inches of snow. And reality is a lot of times, especially early in the season and late in the season, you're looking at a 6-to-1 ratio, or sometimes in the middle of winter, you might be looking at a 30-to-1 ratio, hmm. a fluffy snow as opposed to a really um, a really uh, heavy, wet, and pasty snow. And sometimes those models will accumulate sleet as snow too. That's something you have to be really careful about. So if you are an amateur forecaster and just want to get online and, and learn your way through it, um, I'm happy to help out skiers and snowboarders, any of your customers that want to learn more about weather forecasting. Just have them drop me an email. I'd love to love to talk to folks about stuff like that or or gardening or pumpkin growing or kind of that <laughs> kind of stuff. I always in, enjoy chatting about um, some of the fun things that I'm interested in. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that you can do um, as as you know, maybe you're up in the mountains and you see one of those um you see like a halo around the sun we've all seen that before right or a halo around the moon Mm -hmm. usually that's a pretty good indication that it's going to snow or rain in the next 24 hours so that's a good indication right there that you know as an amateur forecaster you could be like okay you know that's here's a kind of a rule of thumb you know I, i i plan on precipitation in the next 24 hours just from that simple rule right there if you become in tune with some of the different types of clouds you can get a good idea of what's coming next a lot um i stay away from the woolly caterpillar and the uh, <laughs> and the hornet's nests and stuff like that, that 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 some folks say they they swear by as far as snowfall um and the full moon and that kind of thing but um but yeah it, computer modeling is big and it's always important to you know use personal experience as well Um, when you're looking at weather maps, I think one of the things that's important that might not, that might be overlooked a little bit, is a lot of times people look at the track of the storm, which is great. You look at, you know, you you always want a storm, usually tracking south of Cape Cod. We call that the benchmark. Um, and sometimes in the Gulf of Maine, you can get big storms in the white mountains going through the Gulf of Maine, but you want the center of the storm to track east of you. Uh, and that's going to hold the cold air in place. Storm that tracks west of us, we call those inside runners that brings in the warm temps. Usually get a snow to sleet to freezing rain to rain situation there, um, but one thing that's important when forecasting these things is always look where the ridge is. Always look where the high is. If you look at some of the blizzards that have happened over the years, you're always going to see a high that's north of us in Canada or even up in Greenland. Uh, you got a big big high over there. And I think that's really important. And sometimes overlooked. People uh, just focus on the strength of the low, low pressure center, but but the high needs to be equally as strong for some of the, the bigger storms. No high to the North. You're not going to get a big storm.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Thanks. That's, that's how we talk to you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love talking about this stuff. Well, so if anybody, if you guys during the winter, if any of your, you know, anyone that comes in the shop wants to chat, chat about weather or something. Get, Charlie, you know, we them don't even
0: mail. have, we don't even have a barometer in the shop yet. Yeah.
2: Uh, we were talking about barometers. Yeah. For we how get many bar-
0: years? yeah multiple years now
2: yeah I have, right. I, well, I,
0: I have a question yeah do you know about these little portable weather stations home weather stations and if they're yeah. good if they're worth getting you can like link yeah. into the system
2: totally yeah you need one everybody needs a home weather station
0: would wgme like kick in for like a satellite remote location
2: oh we got hey i could send you a ruler and you can send me snowfall reports. Well, we, we
1: got that weather stick. If it's mo- the, the weather string, if it's blowing, it's windy. If it's, yep. wet, it's raining. Yeah. No. It, it,
2: you know If you guys get a, uh, a weather station, I'd I'd love to report that in Jackson, New Hampshire. You know, temperature. Uh, there. I mean, everybody's got a weather station now. It, the best. I think the best app out there for um for looking at home weather stations is the Wonderground app. Have you guys used that at all? Um it's it's the weather underground app they call it Wonderground and hmm. it'll tap into people's backyard weather stations you'd be surprised your your neighbor might have one you can always find out what the temperature and wind speed is i use it my neighbor all the time i don't have one in my house but i use my neighbors because it's all it's always on the app um it's called Wonderground. it's one of my favorite ones out there so
0: don't uh, buy a weather station just pirate off your your neighbors
2: yeah you can pawn it off exactly <laughs> i don't know it's fun to have a weather station right i mean yeah. if you're a weather nerd, you kind of kind of got to know what the temperature is and the and the wind and all that kind of thing.
0: We we it, just got a Wi-Fi little puck that goes in the attic, so we know how much the temperature is fluctuating. Relative humidity. What's the fancy term for that?
2: So uh, wait wait a minute. So you have a thermometer in the attic or a yeah, weather station?
0: it's, it's Wi-Fi. It's this little thing. But why do you do it in the attic? Because I want to know what's happening. If I store stuff up there, is it going to get trashed?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, got gotcha. you. All right, yeah, you gotta put, you gotta get one outside though, Andrew. Well,
0: this right? Is, this is a a baby
2: step. A baby? Okay. <laughs> no, yeah.
0: I see all the fancy no. anemometers and rain collectors, and I don't, I don't know. I get lost in the reviews. I'm not sure. I don't know. I gotta. Because yeah, one thing, next thing you know, I'm going to talk to someone like you and I'm going to be all out with the, like, yeah. I'm going to have the next fancy new snow, fl- snow plot that costs like $2,500. Well, you,
1: you need, I mean, in order, to, you need some place to put it too. There's no trees above it and all kinds of stuff like that, right?
2: Side of the building. You put you put that right on the side of the building, right in the peak there. That'd be great. Got a three cup anemometer up there when the wind's cruising down the valley like that. That'd be great.
0: I'm into
1: it. You sound like you're gonna break out into Oklahoma,
0: Charlie. <laughs> send send me the <laughs> link to that and then we won't even need the barometer.
2: All right. We'll get you we'll All find included. out a good weather.
0: Um yeah,
2: so what are your I
1: mean
2: what I, we've had a few kind of duds of winters over the last few winters. What are what are your what are your top three things you guys want to do this winter? What's it doesn't have to be going out and, and having big uh um uh, big projects and stuff like that. But what, what are the three, what are the few things you hope get done as far as weather wise this winter, as far as like snowfall and, and things like that?
0: I think, I think with skiing, you remember the good days. You don't remember the mediocre days and you really don't remember the bad days. It's like, that's why you have a powder ski so that you don't get, you don't miss out on those few little opportunities so you have the right ski to capitalize on that snow and when i jog my memory i don't remember much aside from that stretch in 2017 Mm -hmm. in february where we had three weeks where everything was in you could ski Mm -hmm. anything and everything and those those like small windows that's that's like all i want i want the ability to be able to go ski to know that there's enough snowfall and the the snow stable and the conditions are good where you can just look at a map and just go there. That's it. Cause that three week window made up for the whole winter, whatever else happened. Like I don't remember it. I just remember those three weeks. And I think a lot of skiers feel the same way. They remember the powder days. That's why everyone loves to get a one Oh two or one Oh seven wide ski because they're very optimistic that way. And I feel like it's good. It's great. It's great to be optimistic. It's fun talking to you and, and thinking that, you know even on mediocre forecasted winners there's these anomalies and other things that happen that still make them really fun and enjoyable but that's like what i want i want i want a a winner where i just remembered like the stretch where everything was was good and fun and skiable and not play this game of this did this storm end up with rain and rain cross and we someone else got the storm and i don't know yeah i think when i look back on last winter it was I don't know. January was like still really moody in, in Tuckerman Ravine and we were really forced to ski. We've been forced to ski in the presidentials a little too much, I think in the past couple of years where other zones aren't quite in. And it's so elevation driven or prevailing wind driven.
2: Yeah. We need a good, we need a good uh, base without a rainstorm on top of that. That's what we need this winter. I an mean, extended period of snow that's gonna put everything it's I mean look think about all the hard work that that GBA is doing on on um, all the glades right now uh, in the falls and stuff and then uh, to maybe have last last winter was there a week a full week uh, the entire winter where they were in I don't, I don't even know if there was a full week was was there maybe a week or two here and there
1: I don't know but. I had some great days at um, Crescent Ridge last year but it now, was I'll get the it was point. Yeah, it was like I hit it at the right time.
2: Yes. Right. I We went up to Crescent Ridge one day, too. And it was amazing. I, I do remember that. So that, that all right. that's a little different. That's Randolph. Randolph is like the snow <laughs> of, of, of New England. Um, but it's yeah, that's I guess for me, I think that's probably the one thing I hope for. I don't ski above treeline much. And it's one of those things where it's like you can I hope to take advantage of some of those those lower glades, um, you know, with my kids and my wife and, you know, on the days where, uh, on a Saturday when you, you know, lift lines are, are, are just going to be too long. And it's like, you just want to get out for a, a fun, a fun tour with, with, you know, some friends and family. I think it's to have that opportunity is, you know, seize the good snow is when you can, I think is, is important, um, in the white mountains. Cause we really haven't had one of those winters where you can go skiing really any day and have great conditions I and mean, we haven't had one of those probably since february 2015 but um so yeah my hope is that we have something like that where the glades are in they stay in and you know maybe we get a few inches of snow on top every few days to make the freshen things
0: up but
2: we'll see what this winter brings guys
1: that we will
0: yeah thanks Charlie. uh lots to think about and uh i'll keep my eyes on december I like, the, right. I like, I'm very optimistic. I'm, I'm buying into that <laughs> cold. Yeah, it's, it's it, all the, there are
2: four, four specific things pointing towards a, a December that, you know, it gets us into business pretty quickly. And, and to be honest with you, I'm looking at some things for early next week that could get us into business pretty quickly too. If these storms track right, especially Monday, uh, maybe even Saturday night, right? some elevation snow. So keep an eye on that too. Yeah. I bet, I bet there'll be some snow in the mountains by this time next week. Okay. Yep.
0: Great. Well, until next time, Charlie. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, for everyone not in the shop right now, we're, we've got a live view of Charlie in the studio. So, taking a break between broadcasts, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have the evening broadcasts, and we actually have a new seven o'clock newscast. But now we have a ten o'clock newscast and eleven o'clock newscast. So, yep. Nice. Nice dinner break
0: here. <laughs> All right. We'll eat up. Uh, thanks again. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll chat this winter. Take care.